When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to Orange and Blue Bloods. Hosted by EJ Stewart and Tommy Beard. Let's get to it, New York. Let's begin with Game 3. Knicks, once again, trail in the Eastern Conference semifinals in their series against the Heat, getting blown out in Game 3 to a final score of 105-86. It was a complete flop of, a, of an offensive performance by the Knicks, who shot, as Tommy mentioned, 8 for 40 from three-point range. Jalen Brunson led the Knicks with 20 points. Josh Hart had 15. R.J. Barrett had 14 on 5 of 16 shooting. Julius Randle had 10 points on 4 of 15 shooting. He did have 14 rebounds. Uh, Heat star Jimmy Butler returned to the lineup, did not play in Game 2 after spreading his ankle in Game 1. Comes back into the lineup, has a big impact. 28 points for Butler in this one. Max Struess had 19 points in this one. Bam Adebayo added 17. It was a wire-to-wire win for Miami. They took the lead in the beginning, never relinquished it. Um, Took an early double-digit lead in the first quarter. And really never looked back. The Knicks really failed to compete in this game. The Heat led by as much as 21, 22 points in this win. Knicks, meanwhile, struggled with their shooting, struggled with their lack of physicality, and struggled with their lack of touch toughness in matching Miami's energy from the start. So uh, I'll begin with that, Tommy. I mean, we, you mentioned it a little bit. And let's talk about the intensity and the toughness aspect of this game that they lost in game three. What happened on that side? Why did the Knicks look so sluggish? Yeah, I mean, listen, we can talk about, you know, the, they're too quick to double, double team Jimmy Butler, um, Miami making adjustments, um, Spo putting Jimmy Butler on R.J. Barrett, um, and, yeah. and Tibbs not uh, effectively adjusting his route, you know, he's basically running the same plays and getting, you know, trying to isolate uh, R.J. Barrett of the wing as if it was Gabe Vincent that, that was covering him. So there are little things here and there, and you got to make shots, it's a make him his league, all that is important. Um, and, you know, maybe the three pointers would have been the reason they lost had it been a close game. Right. But the reason it wasn't a close game um, and, and really for the entirety of the game, it seemed like the Knicks uh, were down double digits was because right from the very start, Miami in, in kind of a continuation of uh, of game two, which they lost. And basically since the start of the series, they physically they, they were the more physically imposing, the more locked in. The, the team that played harder, the team that played with more effort, um, and it manifested itself in in a bunch of different ways. Um, but I think, listen, we've done this podcast for four or five months now. We've given Julius Randle plenty of credit, and he's deserved Absolutely. plenty of credit for his performance. Yeah, the regular season. We've argued he should be an all-star. He was. We've argued he should be an all-NBA nominee this year, and he should be. He played fantastically well, 25-10-4 in the, in the regular season. Knicks exceeded yeah. expectations, et cetera. Um, he's the team's highest paid player. Therefore he gets credit when the team does well and he deserves to be knocked when the team doesn't play well. And he deserves to be excoriated when he doesn't, when he puts forth an effort, um, that is just, not, listen, if the ankle's hurting, then get him off the floor. Um, mm-hmm. you know, listen, this is big boy leagues. If you're on the floor, you, you, you expect to produce, you expect to perform. Um, he seemed to be able to go to the basket and, and, you know, uh, even though he didn't make his shots, he his ankle seemed fine on the offensive end. Yeah. Um, his lack of urgency on closeouts, um, you know, three minutes into the game, you know, leaves Max Struess open for a, a corner three pointer. 
the guy that's killed the Knicks this entire series. He got hot. Um, again, he got his first one. And, and throughout the contest, there were multiple occasions where it was jarring to see the the lack of effort uh, that, that Julius Randle played with. And that's inexcusable. Um, he deserves to be called out for it. Um, and it may seem like a little, and we know he won't, because it may seem like a little thing, but I, I wanted to, I, I, I this morning I, I, I thought about it, I said, let's, I want to make sure, so I'm going to do it in my first little soliloquy here. The fact that Julius Randle took the technical free throw yeah. at the end of the third quarter was, I thought was just kind of emblematic of the things that have troubled, the, of all the high points and the feel good stories around the Knicks, like I thought it was emblematic on this game with the Knicks getting blown out, Julius Randle about to get yanked, playing terribly uh, throughout the game, both offensively and defensively, worse not playing hard, um, somehow was allowed to take that technical free throw, I think reflects on um, you, you know the, the lack of accountability he's had since the moment he arrived in New York. Um, yeah. And I just I, I contrasted with four hours, five hours later, whatever it was, the Laker game, Lakers-Warriors, 1-1 in L.A., uh, technical free throws in the second half. The, the Lakers have Anthony Davis and LeBron freaking James on their team. And who takes the technicals? Austin Reeves and Dennis Schroeder. Yep. No goes involved. No pride on the they, the the guy who gives the team the best chance to make the free throw, who's the best free throw shooter, takes the free throw. So, um, you know, all, all, all that's to say, um, the Knicks have a lot to do. A lot of it, you know, has and you know, hopefully Tibbs makes some adjustments. But a lot of it's walking into the game and saying we're not going to be out toughed. Uh, we're going to play hard and give ourselves a chance to win. Yeah, I mean, I think you hit the nail on the head uh, talking about Tibbs and Randall. I thought that this was a deeply unserious performance from those two gentlemen, starting with Julius Randall. Um, you mentioned leaving Struess open. He had a closeout in this game. I think it was on Struess that was one of the worst closeouts I've ever seen. I mean, I guess he technically ran the guy off the line. But <laughs> he, he ran him off so easily and put Struess in such a terrible position, put the defense in a terrible position that he left someone else wide open for a three-point shot. I mean, it was literally Kyle, like... Kyle Lowry in the corner. for Yeah, for, Lowry in the corner for a three. It was like... You're uh, right, Randall like runs, you know, stiff, runs at him, barely makes an effort. Just go. It's like when you're finishing your last suicide after, yes. you know, your coach had you running in practice and you're just trying to get through it. That's what Randall was doing in that game. Now, I don't know if it was a conditioning thing, but he was doing this from the first quarter. It wasn't even like, oh, he yes. started out the game and then slowly, slowly he got worse. Like, he, he was just not um, locked in at all in that end. And you know, you're, you're in some ways, I think when Randall looks like that, I think it demoralized the team. Now, it's not an excuse for the rest of the team to not right. show up, but I think right. when they see him kind of lagging around, I think they know, okay, this is going to be a tough one. And, you know, and because they know, I mean, they need Randall to produce. They, he, he's a very important player. We've seen that in this series already. So I think that when he comes out with that disposition, it puts the Knicks behind the eight ball, not just because he's actually killing the team, which he was on Saturday, but also I think it's kind of a morale hit as well. And Tom Thibodeau, a disaster class from that coach. Um, start the game, as you mentioned, they put Jimmy Butler on RJ and no adjustment to say, okay, our early game script of running the gate offense through RJ, probably not great right now because they're putting Jimmy Butler on him. Maybe you test him early because you want to see the ankle, but once you kind of see, okay, the ankle was good, he looks like he's locked in. I mean, RJ got the ball the first play, Butler knocks it out of his hands off him, key basketball. Like it was like, okay, Jimmy Butler is locked in defensively, he's going to be fine. And they kept running plays through RJ. I don't think it got him in the, in a good rhythm because now he's doing something he shouldn't be doing, isolating against a guy like Jimmy Butler, where I think uh, had he been getting maybe some open looks, some open threes, maybe some substantive transition, maybe he could have got his game going. So not only 
where you, you put yourself behind a ball because now you're not getting anything offensively. But then one of your best players who hasn't been playing well got completely out of rhythm because you couldn't adjust on the fly to what they were doing. And the substitutions in this game were so nonsensical because they were non-existent. Like, I can't stand seeing that team, that starting unit, look as inept as they look, look as disinterested as they look in both the first quarter and the third quarter. And no subs. I'm sitting there in third quarter, especially like you're sitting there and the heat, are, they, they, they started off good because RJ Barrett kind of woke up and he tried to kind of get the Knicks back in. They cut it to 10 and heat go on another big run. Now you're down by 18, 19. Hardenstein's the only sub. I'm like, where is Emmanuel quickly? Where is Quentin Grimes? Like you're not getting, all these guys aren't making shots. We need to get somebody who out there can make some shots. And it was like Tibbs threw the way the white flag early by leaving the starters in. Like I, I, I don't understand when, and I know he, he he rides his starters, he trusts these guys and all that stuff, but I don't understand how you could see a game kind of tilting one way and still stick to whatever script you had to start the game. But Tibbs does that consistently. There were so like like there were so many times in that game where the unit that was out there was getting outworked, out hustled, and you needed to make a change, not even just to send a message, just to try to change the momentum of what was going on. And instead he seemed to be totally fine with them kind of continuing to sink into the quicksand. So uh, it was a terrible performance from Tom Thibodeau. Randall was just as bad, if not worse. And the team followed. And those are two of the three leaders of this team. Brunson didn't have a great first quarter. I thought he tried to pick it up in the second quarter. I think he kind of did keep them in the game somewhat. But if you got that kind of performance in those two guys and that kind of lack of interest and kind of figuring out how to get themselves out of that hole by those two guys, then they weren't going to have a chance to win that game. Yeah, um, you know, speaking of adjustments and and rotations, et cetera, I think it's uh, the 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 heart and the starting lineup has finally run its course. I think absolutely. You know, uh, we talked about it prior to Game Three, and uh, I thought it was fair on your part to say, "Listen, give Hart one more game and, and kind of see where this goes." Um, but now, um, you know, you mentioned Brunson's offensive struggles. Um, obviously, he did compete, clearly limited by that ankle injury, um, which impacts his defense and, and continues to be a liability on that end of the floor. Um, but one of the issues is just the lack of spacing, um, you know, right from the opening tip um, when he's surrounded by uh, Barrett and Hart. Um, it's I mean, the weak side help is, you know, the way, you know, 10, 15 feet off Hart, um, daring Barrett to shoot three pointers. Um, and it's because it's, it's a successful game plan. It really crowds the paint. Um, and, and, you know, Barrett, uh, Brunson's office is that 12 to 15 foot range where uh, he can use his footwork and deception and head fakes to, to get looks fadeaways yeah. um, floaters um, those those looks aren't there um, you know against Cleveland I thought Cleveland you know figured we got bigs you know we got those those two twin towers down low um, we can prevent that but um, you know th- th- that wasn't the case because you know Brunson had some room to operate um, and and but but you know Miami they're gonna have to you know put Grimes back in the starting lineup uh, you know, bump Josh Hart to the bench. I think it makes the decision even easier, um, given the fact that IQ is uh, going to miss game most likely. List as doubtful, as you mentioned, going to miss game four, um, which really yeah. leaves the the bench, uh, which has been badly outplayed, surprisingly, in a series um, in dire straits. So this way, you bump Hart back to the bench, kind of um, puts a little you know support in that unit. Um, you know, without their their kind of leader, second their, their best player in in Emmanuel quickly. Um, so uh, and just to kind of try to try to change the vibes here things aren't working obviously um you know uh you know again we, we've we've you know painted a, a daunting picture and it should be so um 
you know, uh, the reality is it's not just that the Knicks are down 2-1. It's the way they've looked. You know, outside of the final five, six minutes of game two, they've been yeah. badly outplayed. You know, it was Hart hitting those big three-pointers and, and Brunson get, you know, Grimes just happened to be on the floor um, and, and Brunson making some baskets and they were able to close out that game two win. Game one, game three, um, but but just as just as importantly, it's the way game three looked. Um, it's it, in a way, it reminds me of kind of the Knicks versus the Cavs in the prior series. Cavs yeah. just looked outmanned, out physical, you know, not ready for the big stage, not ready for the bright lights. Um, and that's and that's kind of the way that the, the Knicks have looked in this series. Um, but I just will mention um, the last two times the Knicks have gone down two one to Miami, um, lost game three. And gone down two one to Miami. They've won both those series. It's not common in NBA history, um, but two thousand yeah. Knicks went down two one, um, came back and won the series in seven. Ninth uh, ninety eight Knicks went down two one in the first round, uh, came back to win after losing game three, came back to win the next two games. So um, there's you know obviously reason for optimism. It starts with tonight. It's but you know again it starts with an effort. Um, all's not lost. The Knicks ha- have yeah. played well this year. Just when you're ready to count them out. Um, but again, they need to come out and play hard. Um, and, and I expect them to do that. Um, then, you, you know, that, then it gets down to results um, and, and, and making shots, et cetera. Uh, but that's the first step. Yeah. I mean, what we've seen in these playoffs is teams coming out uh, in games that they don't necessarily have to get and not playing with any real intensity. I mean, this is yep. that's yep. the one thing I try to remind myself, similar to what we were talking about during the regular season when the Knicks kept blowing these big leads and was like, why are they blowing these big leads? What's going on? And then you realize, well, this is kind of just a problem around the league. Or when it comes to defending the three, it's like, why did Knicks give up some, so many threes? It's like, well, Knicks defensively, in terms of most of the metrics, they're actually one of the top teams in terms of giving up the three. It's just everybody. These, this is what's happening in the league. And this year what we've seen is teams that are going into games, uh, they split the first two, they go in that next game. If they don't need to get that game, they usually give a lackluster effort and they get blown out. So I felt like, and I hinted at it, in the last podcast we did, that game three was going to be a really tough game, emotional game for the Heat. Uh, you know, Dream Butler coming back, uh, kind of an uphill battle. And, you know, you'd have to kind of be up for the challenge in order to compete. Knicks weren't up to the challenge. Now this is a game where the Knicks truly have their backs against the wall. Season truly is on the line. And you hope you get a different result. But it's going to have to start with a lot more energy, a lot more effort. I think the the bigs need to have much bigger impact. I think Mitchell Robinson feels – I feel like he's been kind of neutralized in this series. He really didn't have much of an impact at all in game uh, three. He got in early foul trouble, so that didn't help either. But um, but he needs to have a much bigger impact. And I just I just hope that they're able to find a way to, you know, get whatever they need in terms of that mental edge and ramp it up. This is a Miami Heat team that's just not going to give you anything. Like, this is not the Cleveland Cavaliers. The Cavaliers are one of those teams where you could punch them early and you don't have to worry about them for the rest of the game. And this is a different team. This is a team that's going to take punches and keep getting up. They're going to take punches and punch back. And then you got to get up. Like, that's what this series is going to be about. So if Knicks aren't up to the task, they'll be dispatched in the series very quickly. I think the, the good news is you're in a series where you could be down 3-0. Yeah. And it's 2-1, yep. Yep. realistically. So you say, hey, this the series is there's plenty right ahead of you. You win one game. It's best of three with home court advantage. So. Uh, it all comes down to to Monday being an important game. Before we talk about quick, what do you see from Butler in game three? How did you think he looked? I know he started out the game strong. Uh, he did tweak the ankle midway through that game. He didn't seem 100% after that, but played through it, hit a big bucket to kind of like seal the game in, in the fourth, late in the fourth quarter to kind of show, hey, I'm, I'm still good. 
what did you see from Butler from game three? Yeah, he looked good. Um, I thought he looked, uh, especially as you mentioned, start of the game. Uh, I think that little tweak is a concern for for Miami going forward. Obviously, I, I expect him to play game four. Um, mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, should he, you know, tweak it again? I mean, that's the thing you never know about these series. That's why you compete. That's why you hate to give up. Um, you know, postseason games because, you know, you're only one ankle injury away. You're only one, um, you know, Giannis falling on his back or Kyrie stepping on the referee's foot from really changing the dynamic um, of a series. Um, so, you know, we'll see how it goes. But, um, you know, I just thought um, there's just a it just as important as his offensive production. And he's been otherworldly, obviously, this postseason and, you know, and, and the series when he's been on the floor um, has, has been fantastic. But just that comp, kind of confidence, that swagger, um, it, it's a difference between, you know, him and just kind of the out of control chaos of Randall and, um, yeah. you know, and, and it, just, it just, you know, we, we talked about quickly and we'll talk about his struggles like. We haven't seen quickly skip at all. Remember, you know, during the regular season, right, yeah. really he's skipping down the floor if they hitting three pointers. Yeah. Um, you know, we just we we haven't seen. And obviously, you know, what comes first, the chicken or the egg? When you're playing well, you you, you kind of exude that right. confidence, and you're eating pizza and chicken wings and the post game presser, and we're all laughing and <laughs> having a good time. Um, and when things aren't that way, but you know, with Jimmy Butler, even in game two, when they're losing, he's standing and flipping the birds, to the fans, he just embraces that villain role. Um, and, but more importantly than that, when the, the lights come on and the, and the game starts, he hits those tough fadeaways with the shot clock running down. Um, yeah. and it's just a perfect, uh, complimentary piece to all those gritty grinder undrafted, you know, Kevin Love was waived. There's just a lot of stories there of guys kind of overcoming odds um, where the Knicks have kind of embraced that underdog attitude. Um, the, the Heat have really bought into that. Um, and, you know, they've they've proven it, uh, you know, by performing well in the postseason. So, um, yeah, I think he looks good. Obviously, they need him healthy. Um, they need his, you know, they need him offensively. They need him defensively. Um, but just as much, I think, is it, it shows the importance of, of veteran leadership. Um, Lowry in the same respect. Um, yeah. calming the game down, hitting big shots when, when they're needed. Um, but just kind of that attitude and confidence. Um, you know, you talked about, I thought that was a good point. You, you discussed how Randall's, um, those bad Randall games, those bad Randall moments, that bad Randall body language uh, can kind of, uh, you know, infect the rest of the team. I think yeah. Butler does that the opposite way. It just kind of infects the, the heat with happiness and joy and grit and, and all that good stuff. Yeah, you could tell. I mean, he he really helped them a great deal. They lifted their defensive uh, intensity as well. Um, Knicks yeah. helped them a great deal by just not making any open shots, pretty much. Yeah. But still, like like he, I think what he sets a tone again early on. First pass Knicks make, he's deflecting it off RJ Barrett out of bounds. It's got, it just set a tone for how that game was going to go. I thought he looked really good. It would be interesting to see how the ankle recovers from game to game. Now that we're right. going every other night that you're playing, he tweaked yep. it in the game. Didn't seem hundred percent made a couple buckets late, but you know, that adrenaline will get you through the game. It's the next yep. day. And then the following day of trying to get ready to play again, that would be interesting to see. So we'll see uh, with Butler. You can't take any chances though. I do think one of the keys to this loss also was the Knicks defensive strategy on Butler. I mean, we didn't have this supernova Jimmy game. We haven't gotten one in either of the two games that he played, but the Knicks are still treating him like he's the 56-point Jimmy Butler that we saw in the first round. Uh, I mean, Brunson is double-teaming off Struess one pass away to give up wide-open threes. Like, that that can't happen. Like, you got to, at some point, trust your individual defenders. Like, if you're going to match Hart with him every minute he's on the floor, then Hart's got to play him. 
or if you're going to put different guys on him, you got to trust that your defense as a, as a team can stay solid because there are certain guys that you should not be leaving. Like Struess should not be getting left. Duncan Robinson should not be getting left. Like, you know, if you want to leave Caleb Martin, you want to leave Vince and some of these guys, take a chance with those threes, that's fine and see how, see if they make them. But it seemed like there, again, it just seemed like there really was no, it didn't seem like there was really any strategy. Like it just seemed like they came in with something of a game plan and there was like kind of no adjustment to how the game was going. And that can't happen anymore. Like this is a team, a Heat team that adjusts too well. They're too well coached. And everybody, including the head coach, is going to have to lift his game up in order for the Knicks to win this series. Is that simple? I, I mean, that's the thing that I think has got to worry you most from, from a Knicks fan perspective is that the Heat haven't really played an A game yet. And they no. comfortably have a comfortable 2-1 lead. You know, they're shooting 31% from, the, you know, the Knicks are shooting an abominable 27% from three. Um, but the Heat are only shooting 30% from three, that 31% from three. Like, Struess is going to make more threes. Duncan Robinson hasn't had, like, a five-point, three-point game yet. He, you know, he's going to get hot at some point. Or, you know, he, he had that he played one game, too. But, um, you know, just, just all around, like, there's just – and, yes, I totally agree on the Butler thing. Um, too quick to double team. Listen, if he scores, you know, 23 in the first half and, you know, it was up to 37 in the third, like, okay, let's adjust. And, you know, but I, I really think they have to take the tact of let somebody else, you know, he's going to, if he makes those tough twos, makes those, those long jumpers, you tip your hat to him. Yeah. Also, absolutely. Go underneath screens on Butler guy average 0.6 made three pointers per game during the regular season. Even the postseason, he's making less than two per game. Um, he's never been a good three point shooter. Um, again, if he makes them tip your hat, um, but you can't leave, as you mentioned, you know, you know, easy open short corner looks, um, you know, strong side help off Struess and Lowry and Duncan Robinson, et cetera. Um, those are things that are going to get you in real trouble. Um, so I agree with you. Um, I think I definitely think that's one adjustment they should make and um you know before we move on to the kind of quickly and, and going yeah. forward just uh, you know we, we've talked about randall you know with two guys we've focused on a lot in this first segment uh randall and, and uh, uh jimmy butler obviously i just think it's it's so interesting in sports uh especially you know um how we there are certain guys who perform well in the regular season then take it to another level in the postseason you know yeah um, you know and, and it, even if you even if you match your averages in the postseason your regular season averages in the in the postseason that makes you a good postseason player you know like yeah, absolutely was, was credited for for doing that um and and it, i just don't know if there's two more conscious players two great players in the nba as randall and 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 jimmy butler um i was looking at the numbers yesterday um uh, jimmy butler has in his career with the miami heat has scored 40 points in the regular season zero times he scored 40 points in the postseason eight times wow julius randall has scored 40 points in the regular season for the knicks nine times he scored 40 points in the postseason zero times. He's never scored more than 25 points. In a I was going to say, has he even scored 30? Like, I don't, I don't even remember a 30 burger. Hasn't even so, scored yeah, 30. that makes 20, sense. 25 is his career high yeah. postseason. Granted, small sample size, only, you know, well, relatively small sample size, but we got I mean, two years now. We yeah, how many games series. now? I mean, we, like, 12, yeah, we have what? 12 uh, games. Five, yeah. 12 yeah, exactly. games. Julius Randle's uh, regular season per game averages this year, 25, 10, and 4, I mentioned, on 46% shooting. His his postseason averages this year, 15.3 points, uh, 34 points on 34.6% shooting. Um, and and more than three turnovers per game. You know, it's just uh, – and, and just to his, his – in, in general, his, 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 his 12, 12, you know, his 12 – 
postseason games are just the efficiency and production shooting under 33%, which is the worst of any player this century who's attempted at least 200 field goals in the postseason. Yeah. Um, so just uh, not a lot to like about what's going on. And at this, frankly, at this stage of the game, We've seen good halves from Randall. Maybe we'll get one in, in, in game in game four when they obviously need it. But we haven't seen a great, you know, postseason game from Randall. Uh, maybe it's time to kind of adjust our expectations and just understand that this guy, certain guys are built to play really well in the regular season. They have a tough time performing in the playoffs. Certain guys are, are you know, 16-game players, and certain guys are 82-game players. And that's the difference between Randall and Brunson and maybe the difference in the series. And speaking of bad Brunson stats, obviously uh, Randall stats prior to uh, – Another stellar performance from De- Devin Booker in game four for Phoenix, and they tied that series 2 2. Yeah. Uh, Devin Booker in the previous four games before game four had made more field goals in his last four games than Julius Randle had made in his entire postseason career. Uh, 63 field goals made to Julius Randle, 61. And like I said, I said it, I, Knicks won that series, and I still never took it back. Julius Randle is not a postseason player. He isn't. Like, there's no, I've seen enough. Like, he's not that guy until he changes and shows me otherwise it is what it is it's unfortunate but this is who he is he's a great regular season player and we get to the postseason you better have other guys that are willing to step up and and produce because he's not gonna be able to give you that same production now injury mental situation it doesn't matter what situation it is what it is everybody's dealing with stuff everybody's dealing with some kind of injury some kind of pain and he's been unable to answer that bell enough so and I do think there's there seems to be something about him coming back from an injury and being able to play a lot better than when he has normal rest, normal, you know, t- turn back coming into a game. This is not a second time where he uh, got hurt, came back, first game comes back, plays really well, and then the next game looks completely disinterested, completely out of focus, and has a, another stinker. And, like, we saw that in the Cleveland series, and now we're seeing it again here. So I don't know what it is about his preparation that's allowing him not to be able to bounce back after the first game where he comes back and plays so well. But we've seen it now again where he just doesn't seem to right, have the right focus and, and, and mentality to follow up with these good games. And considering what the Knicks are asking of him, like, he needs to do that. Like, getting Jalen Brunson here in part – was to lessen the load off of Julius Randle. He doesn't have to do so much ball handling. He doesn't have to do so much orchestrating. He doesn't have that excuse anymore. Like we can't say, well, they asked him to do too much. They're not asking him to do too much. They're asking him to win his individual matchup. They're asking him to play solid defense, to rebound the basketball. And the last game, he only did one of the three. He, he's not winning his individual matchup against Bam Adebayo, who really still isn't really imposing his will on this match, on this game, on this series at all. And he's still outplaying Julius Randle. And... He's and he, and he and he couldn't make any shots and like so it's it's uh and he gave no effort and he did you know effort defensively so worse yeah so it's, it's it's like I don't know what to say at this point like we can't say he's being asked to do too much Jalen Brunson's taking so much of his responsibilities and we're still getting 2021 Atlanta series Julius Randle in the playoffs so it is what it is at this point 